sitting here at my desk. <laughs> Welcome back to my podcast. Today is October 21st. And I'm sitting here. Uh, I got this desk. It came from New Orleans, down south. I, um, I had a family member in Virginia get it for me. I gave them the money. It was for sale, and I, I couldn't pass it up. It's a $700 desk, easily. Nice. It's a roll-top desk. So I've been doing a lot of my writing on it. Um, uh, it. It has all these little compartments in it that I wanted compared to what I had. The other desk I had belonged to a man that was a draftsman. This one is is more for writing. And I put a nice leather covering and a desk of it where I won't actually, on the surface of it, I won't actually get it dirty. I have my travel desk, I use it as well. But to be able to sit and compose a letter to answer some of the letters I get or to do, do anything of that nature, it's nice to have a good writing surface. This is it. I love this thing. I took a trip to Virginia, all these different festivals that have been going on. I apologize, it's been so long since I've done one of these podcasts for you. Wonderful time at these festivals, a lot of history. I tried to do another podcast about this about two weeks ago, and it got deleted. And I sat there just frustrated, saying to myself, well, I don't want to go back over all this again. And my device is doing something crazy here. My recording device is making these weird noises on its own. If you hear that, I apologize. Okay. So what I love about this thing, it's got drawers. I have a Microsoft Surface Go. I didn't. I don't need the Pro. I don't need the big one. I like the small one for the versatility. I'll admit it's a little difficult to type on. <coughs> Excuse me. But as a writer, I like it because the portability of it. And this, this is a perfect surface for it. Perfect, perfect surface for the surface. Okay. <laughs> okay. And. I uh, was sitting here the past uh, week or more getting prepared and ready to want to. Today, my, my book is on sale, and there's a reason for it. You know, I've been thinking how I wanted to do this all week and say something meaningful. You know, it's been, you look at the date. October 21st, 2019. It's been 50 years since Jack Kerouac passed away. And taking that into respect, um, you can look up, I mean, they, they say a little bit about him on Wikipedia. Consider him an iconoclast, jazz generation, the great generation. The more I think about it, I don't think any of these things really define Jack. You know, 
I want to celebrate Jack's life, and there's a lot of people do it in different ways. What he means to them—that's that's exactly what he would want, and every writer does want. You want to relate in a personal way to somebody, and Jack's writing does that. When I go to a poetry reading, and I see even the cliche people snap and trying to be beatniks, that wasn't who Jack was. But you know what? His writing got them into it. And they're, they're enjoying it. And they're doing their own thing. I think the power of being a writer and having writers like Jack, Kerouac, Proust, uh, Gibran, Hemingway, it's not to be influenced by them. I honestly admit, I don't read a lot of other writers because I don't want to be influenced. I don't want to pick up a novel and be in the middle of writing something and go, oh, wow, I wish I would have written it in this style. That's not the point of writing powerfully and uh, meaningfully. When you write like Jack did, <coughs> he wrote in the 1950s. So you're never going to write like Jack Kerouac. It's like you're never going to play music like Jimi Hendrix or you're never going to play like Willie Nelson or any, anybody else. They have their own style. But what you learn by being influenced, influence is to see what worked effectively for them. And it's not the things you're taught in college. I've gone to college for writing. Uh, I've always said that you should learn how to write and then unlearn it. Okay, Learn the rules, just like uh, Picasso. You look at the postmodern painters, and it's not that they're painting these, these splashes of color. They knew how to paint. They wanted to do things in their own style. So it's not a stylistic way that you're trying to uh, emulate some kind of a writer. What you learn from Jack is those, uh, the, you know, the modern prose. You learn the, the whole technique and, and Jack had given a great deal of thought to this he started out being influenced by uh, Neil Cassidy's writing Jack had always, always been a writer way before that he actually was a friend of my father's in the Merchant Marines uh, my cousin Michael Safian who has passed away as well when I was about 16, 17 years old, maybe even younger than that, came by. And you have to understand, my father's family were not very close, so he said this cousin of his was coming by, a second cousin. And I said, wow. So I, I don't know what to expect. You know, usually somebody in my dad's um, generation or his family, you'd get some sour, you know, I'm not putting him down, but you get some sour person that uh, was... Not somebody you'd want to be around and talk to. You talked to him, but you didn't really feel a connection to them. Michael was. He was this guy raised in New York. He had this heavy New York accent. And he liked my writing. And he turned me to Gibran and, uh, or Gibran and Kerouac. And he'd give me different books to read. And he said, with Kerouac, well, Gibran, he said, if you ever want to have a woman fall in love with you, this is how you want to write. This is how deep you want to write. 
with Kerouac. He said, you know, this is your dad's generation. And he gave me the book. So I had, I had read it. And I'll admit, On the Road is a very hard book to get into. I was my, my first impression of it in high school, I'm sitting here reading this book. And I'm thinking, I can't relate to this. It's about this guy, his father passed away. He meets these other people. They're driving across country. They're partying. I'm thinking, like, at the time, like, 90210, you know, I'm thinking, this this is just awful writing. It's rushed, it's congested. And I, the first three chapters, I kind of rushed through, wanting to get the feel of it so I could say to Michael, oh, yeah, this is a really great book. You know, I read it. I, I'm really, you know, impressed. And I, I was thinking of ways to lie about that. And then it hit me. I believe it was when he went to went to point in the book he goes to see old bull which is bully which is uh, Burroughs and I, I saw some glimmer of my dad in it and I, I didn't say anything about it I just thought and this looks like one of my dad's stories so I kind of laughed and got into it I made that connection and I personally Next time I saw Michael, he came by. We're all sitting here. And my Michael lived in California, so he'd come up maybe once every two years. We brought up that book. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, Jack Kerouac, he was a merchant marine, too. And I jokingly said, well, maybe my dad knew him. My dad was sitting there, and he pulls his head up over the newspaper. He says, Jack Kerouac. He said, yeah, I had a couple drawings he did. He said, he was on a couple of ships with me. He said, he was a really fast speaking guy he was deep he, and he just described him to a t and i thought you know here's one of the biggest literary icons of the past century and my dad was on a ship with him and it just didn't matter to him it was jack it was somebody my dad knew and a friend of his and my dad didn't even know he was famous and he just kind of went on like, oh, yeah, I think he published a few books and uh, I tried keeping in touch and wrote a few letters. Really, really nice guy, really good, good guy, you know, uh, just parted ways, never really ran into each other again after the war. And I thought <laughs> I kind of laughed and Michael was like stunned because that was like that was like telling Michael that you met Jesus, you know. <laughs> and. So I start off on the road, which everybody usually does. And all of Jack's books go in the order. They're autobiographical. Um, but it's not where <coughs> on the road starts. I recently just bought, in fact, today I got it in the mail, uh, The Vanity of Deleuze. And um, butchered that right there. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jack. But uh, there's many books here. Vanity of Deleuze. That was published in 1967. In 78, 1967 and 68. So that was his last book. Um, there were many others that came out after his death. Uh, for instance, Visions of Cody, which is a really good book. And then a lot of his poetry. His poetry is very profound, very, very zen. But his books follow an order. I want to say first was... Um, Visions of Gerard, which is his younger brother, older brother that passed away. And then you get into Maggie Cassidy, 
which was his first love. And Maggie Cassidy reminds me of Valerie in so many ways. I could connect on that book with so many. Oh, my God. I love that book. And then Vanity of the Laws. The Laws. I can't say that word. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. That that goes into his Merchant Marine days. That's the time when my dad knew. Uh, then you get into uh, On the Road. And I had a copy of On the Road. I lent to Valerie. I says, I lent it to you. And she's like, that cover reminds me of you and me. And I, I gave it to her. Never got it back. It was a yellow cover. And I just today found a copy. I've been waiting 10 more than 10 years for that. On the day, 50th anniversary of Jack Kerouac died. So then there's On the Road. And there's some books that come in between, like Subterraneans. And, but after On the Road's Dharma Bombs, it's a very deep book about uh, Zen Buddhism. He meets Gary Snyder. It's a true story. And gets into not just the writing of the authors from New York that he knew, but he gets into the San Francisco... California hiking community he gets into Zen Buddhism and he becomes a fire watch like Gary had uh, on top of these mountains uh, Desolation Peak so then you go into Desolation Angels which is a deeper study of the last two chapters of Dharma Bums goes really deep into his life on Desolation Peak Really, really profound part of that. Desolation Angels was in the 60s. He, he published that. It's a story in Paris I've never read. That's one I want to read. Book of Dreams, that's his dream journal. Lonesome Traveler, it's about traveling. Tristessa is about his time in Mexico from on the road with this girl that he met. Where uh, Neil had, uh, or Neil Cassidy had uh, abandoned him, kind of. Um, Town and City was his first book. I've never read that. It's simply just before he got into writing in his own style. Of course, his, his final book in the series is Big Sur, where he goes to Big Sur. He's a famous writer. He is an alcoholic, which is what literally led to his death drinking. He's an alcoholic, and he goes to uh, Big Sur to uh, Lawrence Ferenghetti's cabin to try to get away, find himself. And, of course, you know, where he goes, people know him. It's it's something that, as writers, we run into. I, I could see from some of my own personal experiences how that can be a little difficult at times. And for him, people wanting to buy him drinks, it, it made it very difficult for him. So... It, it's it's a really good book and it ends in a poem it's called sea it's this real long poem that captures the just the feeling of being at the pacific jack died october 21st 1969 50 years today go today i'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about jack you know he he wrote in vanity de Los, even though it's a book before on the road about it starts out saying how things have changed. A lot of people don't grasp this part of his life and his 
recollection here. It's not that he's being sarcastic or jaded or any of that. He's making an observation on human nature. Now, things have changed in the past 10 or 30 years. And it's not even an observation against the, the hippie movement, which at the time he wasn't, he, he respected them. But he kind of felt in a way he created a monster. That that wasn't totally what he was saying here. Okay. A lot of people get that wrong. And I wanna I want to clear clear this up on Jack's death day, because he'd be sitting here saying, you know what? Are people still saying I was sarcastic and you know like you know, you're allowed to make those observations. And and as time goes on you see and say, Well, you know, I've had all these wonderful experiences with these people. What was important about it? He's reflecting on that. And he talks about how in his day and age, a guy would just walk hands in his pockets coming home from work and how cars have kind of ruined things. He, he says that in a way that is kind of dated right now. But when you look today and age of cell phones right now, you kind of pick up on this a little bit. I'm guilty of this. I have my cell phone all the time. But he's, he's referring to the idea that people walk to work. People put thought into their time there, how long it's going to take to get back, their steps back. Their life had a different pace to it. It was a more not, not just a family pace, but your friends and everybody had a pace to it. And Jack is saying, you know, wow, things have changed so much. The pace of things. And that's what he wants to capture. He wants to capture in that book that, hey, when I was growing up, there were small towns, people walked everywhere, people put thought into the little things. Yeah. How you would say it today is, you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, I'll tell you what, son, I went up to the store and I bought your mom a gift. And it may not have been the best gift, but I didn't have the internet right now then to go and buy on Amazon her that fancy watch she just picked up for her for 800 bucks. I bought her a Timex. That Timex was a winding watch. And that winding watch, when you'd wind that watch, it kept good time. And that's all you needed it for. And your mom was happy to have that, and I was happy to have things she got me. We were happy to have it. That's how it would have been. Okay, that kind of thing. Jack captured that. He wasn't being sarcastic. So, I mean, you get the full perspective of the man's life. And what is he he's saying, you know, appreciate the simple things. And that, that right there encompasses Jack's poetry. I want to read the uh, 30 guidelines he called Belief and Technique for Modern Prose. Uh, number one, scribbled secret notebooks and wild typewritten pages. For your own joy. He's saying here, to, you know, write your own thing. Not necessarily what you're going to publish. Just, just write. Doesn't matter how, if it's acceptable, if it's crazy, what. It, write, write your own thing, and learn that pattern of your style. What worked for him, he's saying here, is to find that honesty in your writing. Don't be focused on what you're going to publish and what you're not. Number two, be submissive to everything, open, listening. Take it all in. Look at what people overlook. 
Look at the important things in what you see as you're writing it. You see him talking about this on the road. He'll talk about seeing these these uh, workers that are in the Midwest that are hardworking black people and saying, man, I wish I could have that authentic American experience that they live every day. Um, that That was one of my favorite lines in On the Road. That's paraphrasing it, but that's what he's saying here. You know, he focused on the small things. Other people drive by and just not even notice. Try never get drunk outside your own house. That's a Jack story because, you know, when Jack would drink, Jack would get a little aggressive, okay? He'd get in fights. Be in love with your life. It's your life, you know? Jack said, hey, sometimes it's crap, sometimes it's great. Just just roll with it, man. His idea of being beat, the beat generation was beatitude. It was holy. Number five, something that you feel will find its own form. That one I'll let you guys figure out. Be a crazy dumb saint of the mind. Write in your own style. Don't try being Hemingway. Don't try being Kerouac. Don't try being any of these people. Write your own way. Be that dumb saint. Be your own honesty. Even when, even when you're laughing yourself, that's important. Blow as deep as you want to blow. Let's come back to his jazz stuff. Write what you want, bottomless, from the bottom of the mind. Number nine, the unspeakable visions of the individual. Hold nothing back. Number 10, no time for poetry, but exactly what it is. This is Jack's prose. This is how Jack can find that prose writing in poetry because he's not worrying whether it rhymes. It picks up and it does work. He might go back through and make sure it does, but write in that moment the way you feel it. 11. Visionary ticks, shivers in the chest. Number 12. In transfixation, dreaming upon object before you. Number 13. Remove literary, grammatical, and syntactical inhibitions. Okay. He didn't go blah. That wasn't in there. You see why I don't do uh, my own book readings. Okay? <laughs> like number 14, like Proust, be an old tea head of time. Proust, Proust wrote uh, a lot of important, important things. Like for Proust, I think it was the, uh, the concept of the one kind of cake that he ate as a kid. And when he, when he ate it as an adult, it, he reflected back to being a child, and Proust had that concept of not just seeing things now as you feel, but what of your childhood, your past, makes you feel so important about it. Number 15, telling the true story of the world in an eternal monologue. Jack was a first-person writer, always, and there's a lot of power in it. 16. The jewel center of interest 
is the eye within the eye. 17. Write in recollection and amazement for yourself. Write because you love it. Write because you want to do it, man. Number 18. Work from pithy mind, pithy middle-eyed out, swimming in a language of sea. Number 19. Accept loss forever. That was very important in Jack's writings. I think that uh, he found a lot of power and loss, a lot of meaning in it. Um, in a very sad way. He, he, he and I can relate to that in a lot of ways. Uh, I think that one line there, that one line at 19, except lost forever, was the most important thing to me writing the book, Valerie. I was really down that week when she passed away, and I sat there and just just looked over things, and that was the one thing that hit me, and I could just hear Jack say, hey, you have to write this all down and honor her life. Number 20, believe in the holy contour of life. Number 21. Struggle to sketch the flow that already exists intact in mind. Write like you speak and think. That's just what he means there. 22. Don't think of words when you stop, but to see better picture. Number 23. Keep track of every day the date emblazoned in your morning. That, that's the Merchant Marine right there. And I tell you that right now. 24. No fear or shame in the dignity of your experience, language, and knowledge. That's writing authentically. Write your own authentic thing. If you're from the South, you say y'all, say y'all. Write like you write like you, if you're writing yourself, you know, don't make your... But if you are writing, write authentically to that. 25. Write for the world to read and see your exact pictures of it. This is the most powerful part of writing. Jack shows the influence of taking your words and realizing how that image relates to other people's images so that you can speak to the whole human collective experience. It's like I'm reading this other book here right now, Becoming Odessa by Jennifer Parr Davis, and it's about the Appalachian Trail. And I really have no experience as far as like relating to a female hiker on the trail. You know, this is a woman hiking with her boyfriend. and But for me, being on the trail, I love the book, and I can relate to it. She makes those pictures exactly like I'm saying here, like Jack says. And here you go. 26. Book movie is the movie in the words. The visual American form. That's, that's what I'm just saying right there. That book. I don't have to be Jennifer... Davis to understand what Jennifer Pardavis has is going through on there. But I can feel that trail. I can feel like I'm there with her. You know, That's good writing. 28. Composing wild, undisciplined, pure, coming from under, crazier the better. That's Jack. <laughs> 29. You're a genius all the time. Eh, Jack, I don't know about that one, but I'll keep with it. 30. Writer, Director of Earthly Movies, 
sponsored and angel in heaven. And Jack gets into these movie things. You have to realize Jack came from a time when, like my dad, whenever silent movies, movies were a new thing. It was a new expression. And they were taking the book form, the music form, and the new movie form. They've been out, the movies have been out for a while. I'm talking 1920s, but only within 40 years. So you were, they were developing along with it. Movies were getting more complex, more story to them. And um, that made a lot of that. Uh, important to writers. Okay, so, so to sum up here a little bit, what what did Jack Kerouac mean? I'm thinking about a man 50 years ago that drank heavily, had a lot of pain in his life, expressed it all openly in his books. And was honest about it. What did that mean to the, the whole collective of what it means to be a writer in his life? What does it mean? I'm celebrating Jack's life today. It means that Jack succeeded in novels writing. And every time I'm looking today, seeing people post about him, it makes me smile because I know that deep down, he was a success in what he wanted to do. And let's make people enjoy life. I want to end with a little piece here from the Dharma Bums. And I, I really want to think about his vision as a hiker, as a writer, and um, how he wanted people to view his writing. And this is, his, is, is what he wanted people to see the influence of it, okay? How, how to really see it his way. And this is from the Dharma Bombs. I see a vision of a great rucksack revolution. Thousands or even millions of young Americans wandering around with rucksacks, going up to mountains to pray, making children laugh and old men glad, and making young girls happy and old girls happier. All of them, the Zen lunatics, go on writing poems that happen to appear in their heads for no reason, and also by being kind and also by strange, unexpected acts of giving visions of eternal freedom to everybody and to all living creatures. That's deep. Big old Jack. And uh, it goes back to the ending on the road, doesn't it? I'd like to read that. That's another one that on the road, you know, you get this story of him traveling and he's totally meeting Neil and he's been really left by him. And he's reflecting on 
their friendship. And I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> but uh, I'll try to remember it off, off hard here. There he goes, Dean Moriarty, in the old ragged, moth-ridden overcoat he'd bought especially for these cold winters. Forth. And off again. I think of Dean Moriarty, I even think of old Dean Moriarty, the father we never found. I think of old, I think of Dean Moriarty. But it goes into like, uh, so when the sun goes down and I sit watching those long, long skies over New Jersey, think of all that land rolling, the mystery of it, and one unbelievable bulge over to the west coast, all that land going. And don't you know that God is Pooh Bear? And tonight, the sun will shine at sparkling Denver, and nobody knows what's going to happen to anybody besides the forlorn rags of grown old. I think of Dean Moriarty. I think I even think of old Dean Moriarty, the father we never found. I think of Dean Moriarty. I think of Dean Moriarty. <laughs> Thinking of you, Jack. Love you. Can have some wine here and honor you. And, um, uh, I encourage all these young people that are in a spot I was when someone handed me this book of On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Jack. <laughs> Jack, Jack is, uh, Jack's an old friend you haven't met yet. Go buy the book, pick it up, get to know him as you grow, you'll understand a lot of the stuff he's talking about. It's like Shakespeare. You know, you read it when you're young and go, oh, wow, I understand. This is good. And then later on in life, you go, oh, wow, that's what he meant. <laughs> okay. Jack is that powerful. Not to compare him to the Bible, but I'll tell you what, he's like the Bible. You can pick up something and it speaks to you every time when you're feeling something. That's divinity and holiness to it. And Jack had that. So, Jack, thinking of you, pal. Carry on, my brother. God bless you. God bless all you out there.